profit is not cash. Can't you say, I'm going to launch a Facebook ad today. Everyone can only handle racing. I feel like we need to stop putting ourselves in restrictions. What do you actually want out of your business? You're listening to Forest FM, the salon business show with your host, Zoe Galilla Springer. For your industry, by your industry. People get in business for all sorts of reasons, and for many, it's the passion, like Karen Burke. They take the plunge out of love for what they do and the sense of accomplishment and pride that comes with it. Being a small business owner, everything affects us personally. So for me, it's a matter of always managing my thought process. Like, I really do enjoy what I do daily. It doesn't stress me out going to work. Like, I love my team, I love going in, spending time with them. The clients are amazing. Do you know, like, this stress is, obviously there is elements that I'd love to run away from, but like, I'm like, just suck it up. I always say I'd love to be an employee working in a van now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I just try and lead the way. I always learn from my mistakes and use it as a stepping stone as opposed to a setback. A lot of people nowadays are always focusing on like what more they want, where like it's so true that we're missing out on what we have and like I am super grateful I wouldn't have come from anything like we wouldn't have much grown up and uh, like Jesus I haven't asked my mum and dad for anything since I'm probably 15 years of age and I mean like down to school books uniform anything I'm independent you know like so I just think we're blessed like we've a gorgeous home like you know I have my own shop, like opening my tour business, you know, like I just sometimes it's only when you stop and people I'm very like humble and I'm very private and shy and like, you know, if anyone asks me what I do, I work in a band and volunteer. I can't even get out that I have a clinic upstairs that's like five years and like, I don't know how I'm going to Fabricast talking about the shop in town, <laughs> but I just, you know, like I'm so grateful of everything I have and all I say is like long may it last and I'm happy to keep on working hard for it, you know, it fulfills me so much. For others, it's about freedom, building a legacy or creating a love mark like Shay Holsher. The biggest reward is, and it's just, it's, it's so rewarding, is when I hear somebody say, oh my gosh, Shay, I have never used products like Preve. I can't believe how my hair feels. I can't believe how shiny it feels. I've never had a a shampoo that feels that good and that clean. It smells so good. I'm a really big fan of, you know, a a marketing concept where it's not about what's in the bottle, but it's when the bottle's empty, the emotion remains. And that's what attracts us and that's what connects us with a brand. There's a concept and there was a book called Love Mark and I really believe that I am creating a love mark. We are creating a love mark at Purvey with our brand. And part of that love mark is, which is what really fuels me every day to get out of bed, is you know giving back one percent to an incredible nonprofit for women in need. And how that you know we're able to turn our blessings into something positive that makes this world a better place. And I believe, as a business owner, it is my responsibility to give back socially because that's what makes this world a better place, and we're all better because of it. 
Whatever it is, there's a why behind the idea, the product, or the service that's being built and brought forward to the world to experience. And if the why isn't strong enough, people don't truly buy into it. At Forest, we don't have a job. We have a purpose. It's to help salon, spa, and clinic owners like you succeed. Forest's collective spirit fuels every part of our system. It reminds us why we do what we do and why we love what we do. Our vision, this reminder of our long-term aspirations, a promising look towards the future we strive to create, keeps us moving forward. And to create products or services that serve others, and more than serve, make a difference in their lives, living in the vacuum of our own understanding just doesn't work. When you start thinking more long-term and less in the short-term, you're working on the business as opposed to in it. You know, you've heard the cliche, everyone's heard it, like, but it just, your business really does start to take off when you do that. Um, but I'm really glad that I didn't do that from the start. Like, you know, part of me is like, some people say, like, if you just raise money like seven years earlier, you could have moved much faster. It's true. Um, and like there's competitors of ours, like in every industry, who've raised money from the start and they've gone way faster than us in the early days. But what I learned in those early days is I learned a lot about myself, we, our team. We, you know, we learned a huge amount about the industry. Like I, apart from just working in the salon, I was like meeting salon owners every day. So by the time we'd raised money, I'd probably visited 2000 salons. Like I had incredible like knowledge, like, you know, about the industry and an empathy towards it and connection and things like that, which is, is really important. and gives you a kind of purpose. It's true for us at Forest, but it's also true for salon businesses, for a marketing campaign, for a stylist or therapist offering a new service, for a post on social media. Small or big scale, there is power in perspective. To discuss this and his many years of experience building products, joining us today is Forest Chief Product Officer, Patrick Monaghan. Patty, it's so good to have you back on the show. Thank you so much for joining me. How are things? I feel like it's been forever. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, things are great, honestly. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm really happy. Uh, really happy to be back. It's been a bit of a whirlwind coming back, um, <laughs> but it, uh, in ways, it feels like it's completely different, than in loads of ways, it feels like I've never left as well. So it's, uh, it's been great. It's phenomenal. It's great to be back on the podcast as well. It's been a long time. I think it it's has been, been a long like time. Three years or something since I've been on the podcast. Yeah, something like that. Well, it's, it's good to have you back. I'm, I'm really happy to share this time with you today. If there's something I've always admired about you, it's your determination to always dig deeper and how you encourage others in your entourage to do the same. Like you've done that with me um, on many, many calls. Have you always been this way or is that something you've had to learn to do to work in software development slash product? Yeah, you're very generous. First of all, I'm not sure everybody everybody would agree, but um, no, I I think that from from myself, I've I've thought a lot about this. Um, I actually think this is kind of a, it's a frame of like product mindset. So there's a lot of concepts out there of yeah, so I work in product obviously. So it's things like product thinking, product mindsets, and basically what that means it's you need to deeply, deeply understand the problem that you're solving if you're going to build something that's going to solve that problem. Right. So you need to first of all really understand the problem. You have to really understand what good looks like. So you'll hear me use that phrase a lot. A lot of people would recognize that if anyone's listening who's worked with me before. So I would often start with what good looks like, like what are we trying to achieve? And then go really, really deep on the problem that you're trying to solve. Because in, in my experience, that's where 80% of the value is. 
what you build or the, the feature or the thing that you add is like the last step. It's, you know, it, it's all about re- going really, really deep and really, really, really understanding the problem that you're trying to solve. That's worked really well um, for me and, and teams that I've worked with in the past and in my career. And I think it's something you can apply to just kind of life in general. So we probably had discussions around career progression and things like that. And I'd always ask you, you know, what does good look like and, and what do we need to solve to get there? And that pattern just, it works over and over and over again. And it took me a while to realize that that's actually just like it's product thinking. It's actually just a way of approaching product development. And um, it's something that we do here at Forest like a lot. And it's worked really well for us because it, you know, forces us to understand our problems, salon problems, all of these things, you know. Ideas come in all shapes and forms, but often they originate from dialogues, experiences, or observations. On Forced FM, we've had multiple conversations in which industry coaches would bring up the Socratic method as a technique to help owners stimulate critical thinking in staff and draw out ideas and underlying assumptions. Questions like, who benefits from this? Why is X better than or different from Y? Does this data make sense? What are the consequences of X assumption? Why do you think I asked this question? In leading authority on innovation and best-selling author Stephen Johnson's TED Talk, Where Good Ideas Come From, he explains that typically, when it comes to ideas, we might have the concept, but we're unable to fully think it yet. You have half of an idea, somebody else has the other half, and if you're in the right environment, they turn into something larger than the sum of their parts. Here a perfect example of this with the following clips from Forest FM Season 5, Episode 208, featuring Richard Kavanagh on the multidimensional experience and magic mirror that is peak digital. A few years ago, we set out with this idea, imagine if we could create a, uh, a software service for salons that would help them sell more retail products, that would help them enhance their customer experience with their clients and help them generate more revenue without feeling like it was getting in the way, but in fact, seamlessly integrating into the experience to make it better for their customers. And, you know, it was like this imagine if moment and we had a really clear vision for what it was. So what we've tried to do with our with our product, we've tried to, to marry the customer's expectations in terms of what we've heard from thousands and thousands of consumers with the hairdresser's knowledge and turn it into a visual language that they can communicate with each other. I had a, like a, a light bulb moment, you know, like an epiphany moment. Um, there were three of us that founded the business and we, I was invited as the hair industry representative to this think tank conversation. And it was, it was, it was my uh, now business partner who had initiated this conversation because he went to his hairdresser all the time and like you Killian, same deal, right? He expected to be told, but he didn't know how to ask. Every time he went, the guy said to him, oh, at the end of the haircut, he'd say, oh, um, do you like something in your hair or you know, what do you use in your hair? And he would say, I use this Kevin Murphy product. And the guy would go, oh, that's nice. This happened every single time he went to the salon, right? And he kept thinking, why can't, one, why can't I get my product from the guy who cuts my hair? Because I'd rather give him the money. And two, it's a pain in the, uh, in the butt for me to have to go to another place to buy my product. Or three, why doesn't he show me something that's similar that he's got here? <laughs> Yeah. And so in his mind, he's like, what's going on here? Is this a problem? Can we find a way to solve this? So he started looking at um, 
pulling together a bunch of people to have a conversation. And I was in the room, there was a whole bunch of tech guys and, and business guys, and I was the only hairdresser there. And I could hear these conversations that they were all having about trying to solve these problems. And I just was like, dude, none of that's gonna work. Nobody wants to do any of that stuff. You're just adding a layer of work to, to nobody wants to do any of that. And then I went, wait a minute. <laughs> it's communication that's the issue here, right? Yeah. It's it's there's a there's a missing piece. There's a missing. We're not speaking the same language. Clients and stylists, uh, clients and stylists are not speaking the same language. So we started off with that premise. Let's try and solve that problem. Let's try and solve the problem of communication with uh, a digital product. Welcoming new perspectives, allowing our hunches to connect with other people's hunches can not only lead to better results, but also lead to innovation versus working in isolation, like we said earlier, in the vacuum of our own understanding. To quote Wikipedia, the metaphor or expression tunnel vision is the reluctance to consider alternatives to one's preferred line of thought. And that can be dangerous for any business that offers a product or a service. It's true for us at Forest as much as it is for salons. Patty, you've been building products for years, and it's always been part of your work ethic and ethos to talk with customers about their day-to-day, their challenges. Fundamentally, you're trying to understand their stories, understand them. Between 2015 and 2020, you've talked to more salon owners than I can probably ever count. But for the past 15 months, you've been fully immersed in the industry, truly seeing things the way a salon owner would, seeing the profound impact their services have on their customers. Can you tell me more about that experience and what impact it's had on you as a person, career aside even? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're dead right. I, I thought I was um, kind of a real expert in what was going on. I remember when I when I first started in the industry, for my first six months, I set myself a goal where um, four days a week, I had to call one salon owner a day, um, four days a week, every week for the first six months. And I did that and it worked phenomenally well. I learned so much about the industry because I didn't know that before. And so I, I considered myself quite an expert on uh, salon owners. And then I went and worked in the industry and kind of opened my eyes to a whole other world that I really, really hadn't um, understood as well. Honestly, I think that the main thing that I've taken from all of that is actually the end customer. I would talk to salon owners a lot, but actually the the things that salon owners need more than anything else is happy customers and happy staff. Mm -hmm. And those things are actually like you know you th- it sounds obvious to say it now like you think you understand that but when you actually get out there into the industry you understand that it's so focused on our guests our consumers our customers and the whole experience that they're going to have that you know i wasn't calling four days a week end consumers of salons i was calling salon owners and so actually what i learned is in kind of really seeing the impact that our industry has on on people it all comes down to people. I, I would, you're going to hear this theme a lot throughout the whole interview. I think people is the thing that I learned more than anything else. And I'm tech guy, like I work on the tech side of the house. But for me, understanding and seeing the impacts that our industry has on people is, it's just insane. I mean, like I, I was working in the industry and, and the mission of that, uh, that business was to help people to look good, feel good and get the most out of life. That's something that could probably describe most of the industry. I mean, it's really what we're, what we're here for. We're trying to help people to get the most out of life. It's not just beauty, it's how they feel, it's confidence, it's how they go about their day-to-day life, all as a direct result of the work that happens in our industry. And so the appreciation of that has actually had gotten much deeper 
for me. And so I'm, I feel really proud, like really, really proud that we work in an industry that just makes people feel good and get more out of their lives. Generally, this is, this is every, every, we've been doing this for years and years and years. I just never fully realized the impact it has on people. Like people come into a salon and they leave feeling brilliant. And that's, that's what we do. You know, that's what we do as an industry. So it took me a while to actually see this or to watch people come in and out over and over and over again to realize this is the, this is the impact we have. So I'd say that's the biggest uh, learning I've taken. And uh, think about the end customer. Because he's always so keen to dig deeper, I had to ask Patty a follow-up question on this. I asked him if there was a few truths about the hair and beauty industry that he discovered during the time he was immersed that he perhaps hadn't even considered while simply chatting and visiting owners from 2015 to 2020. We always had a, a kind of mantra that, that kind of started around the time that I joined as well, which was do it for them. So everything that we tried to do was always to help, you know, salon owners to take away the, the heavy lifting of the day-to-day work, right? That was always kind of what we aimed yeah. for. And, and we were always trying to automate those things and make them easier. We still should always do those things, right? I wanted to be the assistant and that's still what we should do. But what I've realized, I think, which is a truth that most salon owners would understand is that it's so much of the behavior, so much of the uh, success of a salon is driven by the staff. So the people side of it, it's mm-hmm. you can't just automate away everything, right? The people is so important to this industry. I mean, again, this is going to seem really obvious for people listening. Um, uh, and I, I mean, I did know that in, in some sense, but just not as deeply as having observed it. Most of the performance of the business, it, it's really driven home by the staff, by the people who are on the front lines, people who are serving customers every day, you know, mm-hmm. cutting, colouring, treating, treating people in the rooms, the, these things. And so these things are really important. And actually technology has a different kind of route to play there. It's, it's not that you want to automate everything away. There's a lot of things you want to automate away, but there's some things that you want to just empower. Technology needs to empower the staff to do the best job that they can and to be the, like the best versions of themselves. And um, I know that Ronan's kind of refreshed a lot of the mission around Forest, around helping people, keep, you know, be the best versions of themselves. And so I think that what I've taken away from this, which I think is like a truth that salon owners will understand, is that you can drive the performance of your business through your staff. If you can really nail that, you're going to nail your, your salon's growth. For me to take that away, it's technology now has got to assist you in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. but coach, help you coach your staff, help you empower your staff to do the things that they need to do because they are actually the magic. They're where the magic is going to happen. Um, and that's kind of a whole different perspective that I've, uh, I've kind of learned over the last while. At Forest, your reality and ideas drive our future. And if ideas often originate from dialogues, experiences and observations, like we said earlier, then we need to foster an environment in which it feels safe to exchange. Over time, this has led us to create, monitor, and nurture a panel of discussion open for Forest clients to throw in software ideas and suggestions. This panel of discussion is better known as user voice. But like Steve Jobs once said, deciding what not to do is as important as deciding what to do. We get a lot of recommendations through user voice. So I asked Patty if he could give me an example of an idea that he and the product team took from user voice and the various touch points that our clients had during the development of the idea into the feature. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of them. So there's, there's two that I'll touch on. Um, so consultation forms was, was one of them. And another one was um, stock taking. And so improving our stock taking uh, kind of inventory counts, stock takes, mm-hmm. um, however, you, however you phrase it. So 
we had people, you know, asking for a feature where, for example, they'd be they'd have done their inventory count or their stock take, and they would be trying to key it all into the into the desktop. And they asked for, you know, the ability to have that left open because then what would happen is the customer would come to check in or check out, and they'd have to close it down so that they could serve the customer, which is the number one goal. We had people asking for an ability to just make it easier to input stock and to have like a different window. Can we have a separate window for this? We could see that for from salon owners that were voting for this, like, you know, there was, there was hundreds of salon owners voting for this, really wanted this idea to be solved. So they were kind of telling us that this is a problem they have when they were voting for it and they needed this problem solved. However, they had suggested an approach that solved the problem. Back to the original point, it was our job then to dig in and really actually deeply understand the problem behind this. And so what, what we understood is that actually the desktop wasn't even the best solution for that problem. It's that the stock takes actually happen in the back of house and they don't need to happen at the front of house. And so what we did is we knew we had Forest Go, which is a mobile app that staff have. Yeah. And so we knew straight away we could actually use the mobile app to take, you know, scan the barcodes and say there's three of those, five of those and ten of those. And actually then you can submit stock take from your phone in the room where they, where you're doing the, the infantry counts. So you never actually even need to go to the to the front of house at all. And so for us, that was like an example of salons telling us the problem they have, us deeply understanding it, finding a different solution. Then then we went out, I remember two, two, uh, two of the people on our team went out um, and they actually performed inventory counts and stock takes in uh, salons and then watched people doing it and understood the the, the, the manicness of what can happen sometimes. Yeah. Things like, for example, we would find that they would do a stock take of, you know, five units of this. And then you would walk to another part of the of the salon and you would find three more of that product because somebody didn't put them away and they were sitting over there. And we realized actually we have to keep those things open. We can't, you can't close the five. If you scan them again, you have to add them to the original count. You can't assume you're going to count them all in one go. That was straight away a learning. Um, you know, I, I often say that uh, that Mike Tyson quote where everyone has a plan until you get punched in the face. And we thought this was a <laughs> beautiful solution until we went out and tried to use it, right? And we found out that, yeah. you know, things are very messy, right? The real world is very messy. And then we also understood that actually from a salon owner point of view, um, they often have you know, quite junior or trainee staff members do the inventory count, mm -hmm. but they want to be the ones to actually apply it and to do the kind of reconciliation changes that might happen to the to the stock as a result. That, that was something they wanted to have full control over. And so we actually, again, we had to adapt our feature set and change it around so that the staff member can actually do the inventory count, can submit it, but it's actually a manager or the owner who then reviews it and kind of clicks, okay, let's change all of our stock and write off, uh, you know, maybe stock that we thought we had there and there's a financial reporting and stuff the follows and so it allowed us to understand first of all here's a problem needs to be solved and we said okay we have a better solution for that which we did have and then when we actually go to use it you realize actually we need to see the salon world we need to see what actually happens in the real world and then we adapt our product for it the end result then was a, a stock tape and inventory count product that, that works for salons it's built for salons it was built literally with salons um in mind and so that that was a, a really kind of interesting one for us uh yeah to, to learn I briefly talked about tunnel vision earlier and how it gives us answers we expect rather than seeing the whole or might I say true picture. So I asked Patty, how do you make sure as a team working on a new initiative that you don't fall into the tunnel vision trap? 
Yeah, um, so we, we would call this discovery. So it's kind of, there's a there's a, a thing called the inconvenient truth about product, which is that 50% of your ideas are not going to work. And the 50% that do are going to require a couple of iterations before they actually work, right? So the stock take example is is one of those. And so I think when you come, when you come into something with your eyes open, basically all acknowledging in the room guys half of this isn't going to work i literally had this conversation with a team this morning i'm not, not making that up but we said look <laughs> we know something's not going to work let's try and find out let, let's try and find out where it's going to break as early as we can if you come at anything with that kind of open mindset you're not going to close into tunnel vision because you're openly asking the question okay this is what we think we're going to do where are we going to go wrong how could we find out where we're going to go wrong how can we get punched in the face as quickly as possible to use Mike Tyson's analogy again um, and so we, we would have that conversation a lot so up front you kind of ask where might where might we be wrong here and how could we figure that out and validate it and there's loads of ways to do that often it just involves actually talking to customers um, and from a technology point of view, that means for us talking to salon owners. But from a salon point of view, if anyone listening, that means you can talk to your customers. I mean, you can ask them what they think about something you're thinking, you know, a new service mm-hmm. you're thinking about doing, maybe new branding you want to you want to uh, put out there, or a, re- or a new fit out. There's, you know, you need to assume you can't assume that you're right, right? So if you assume that you're wrong to begin with, then you ask the questions about how can I find out where I'm wrong? Something is wrong here. How can I find out where I'm wrong? You start asking different questions, and you you just avoid you know, even the ability to think in tunnel vision from the very, very start by setting that mindset at the start. Assume you're wrong up front, and find the way to the win. The question that you asked at the start about digging deep, like that's what that is. I mean, it's it's incredible how obvious that sounds when you say it. And it's it's also even more incredible in, in how little that actually happens. Like we, we just don't do that. We just, we're yeah. so busy. You know, no, we need to, I need to go run an ad. I need to go, you know, build something, do something. Uh, you know, I need a new special to do for, for Mother's Day or, or whatever and we kind of run we just run 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 really really quickly to the end solution regardless of whether or not it was the right solution if we stop for just a second like an hour one hour call a couple of customers go out and talk to some of your customers who are in the front of house uh, in your salon right now and ask them you know hey what you know around Mother's Day what, what, are you, what are your worries and maybe they'll say like oh I'm just you know I'm, I'm worried that I don't really understand what it is my, my say my mother-in-law wants right, right? I, I want to try and get it get a, a gift for them and so okay that's that, that's a worry that they have so you can kind of create a maybe a voucher that's open and can be used on lots of different services and you can market it as the perfect gift for the person who you know who, who you don't know what to buy yeah. for so i think if you if you just have the conversation you, you just dig in understand the problem you're trying to solve and do that with everything so your your copy you know copy on on your social pages on your ads on your email just try and talk to a customer understand what problems you're helping them solve and then just solve those problems you will do phenomenally well yeah. i mean that's actually the pretty much the secret to um to business I, I think to map it back to what i kind of said earlier on i'd always viewed that from the salon owner's point of view i mean there are customers at the end of the day you know we need to have happy staff happy customers all those things but uh, you know our mission at the end of the day is to help salon owners to to grow their businesses and I now realize that actually I need to start two layers deeper than that. I need to start with customers of salons. What do they want from you? Can we dig deep into what they want from you? And can we help you to deliver that? And I now think that is actually the best thing that we can do as a software company is to help salons to understand what their customers need and to help them to deliver those things. That's it. If we can do just those things over the next two years, I think we'll all be much better off as an industry for it.
It seems clear to me anyways that your immersion in the industry changed and shaped your approach into something a little different to what it might have been when you joined Forest in 2015 building products. Do you find yourself perhaps moving with even more compassion than you had before? Yeah, I, I think so. Definitely, again, especially to the to the people side. You know, I would just think, oh look, we'll just we'll automate that away. And now I think, okay, hang on, which people are critical to this thing, and what do they need from us, and how can we help them to do that job? That is a is a very different approach. Now, something that we've we've already been doing since I've returned is we have um, we've now put in a put a lot of focus on on first-party consumer research. So we're now conducting global research. We have a research team. They're conducting global global consumer research into expectations, changing behaviors, things that they now expect that are different um, than they were before. For example, th- this depends on the on the region, but we were talking a lot about like retail sales, and, and you know that's obviously the holy grail. If we can all sell more retail, we'll all be, be much better off. And one of the questions was, after you buy a product, you know what, what's the, what's the dream then? Do you tend to like go and try and find a, a cheaper version of that somewhere? Do you go and search Amazon or what? What what do you actually want as a customer of a salon? Once you've bought retail products, how, what do you want to happen next? Depending on the region, it goes anywhere from 41 to 58 percent of people said they would like for the salon just to send them out refills automatically, and they'd like to pay for it automatically. So they're like, look, I don't even want to think about this. I want to buy the, the product from my salon. This is what they recommend. It's what I want to do. And when it's about to run out, if a new bottle just shows up and I pay the salon owner, I would love that. We need to listen to that, and and that's something that is, you know, it's it's huge. It's impactful. I think it's going to be a very big trend in the industry. And it's something that we actually weren't, I mean, we we were kind of aware of the possibility of doing that, but we hadn't actually realized the importance of that from a customer point of view. And so when we start with the empathy from the end customer, this is what they're saying, this is what they want. So we have to adapt our plans and we are adapting our plans directly because of that insight. So it's, I think we're learning, I'm, I'm learning a lot from starting with the empathy of the end customer. And I think us as a business, we're learning as well. We need to adapt and, and help salon owners meet the needs of their customers. People want to be able to just, you know, give their insights and, and share their worries and they'll they'll be more than happy to contribute, you know, and help you help them, essentially. Yeah. And and it's actually it's actually easier to do than the other way. Like, you know, if you've if you ever sat sat in the back room and asked the staff, hey, I need some ideas for you know, for some for some campaigns or some content to run, what what do you think? But we never we never actually do that with the with the customers who are sitting in the chair outside right now. Walk out to them and say, Hey, we need a we need a campaign to do for for May for the summer. What what should we do? You know, I mean, you'd be blown away by the answers I'd say, but we never really ask it. It's actually an easy thing to do. In his book The Tipping Point, best-selling author Malcolm Gladwell defined the stickiness factor as and I quote, the quality that compels people to pay close sustained attention to a product, concept, or idea. In Made to Stick, Why Some Ideas Survive and Others Die, the brothers Chip and Dan Heath continue to explore the idea of stickiness popularized by Gladwell in The Tipping Point, seeking to explain what makes an idea or concept memorable or interesting. The book outlines six characteristics that are said to help make an idea sticky. It has to be simple, unexpected, concrete, credible, emotional, and story-worthy. Patty, out of those six characteristics, what do you think is the hair and beauty industry and its clients most driven by when it comes to adhering to an idea? 
So I think it would it, it would either be the emotional point or the stories point. I think when we initially talk to salon owners about changes and things that we want to do, I think stories are the best means of communication for everybody generally. Mm-hmm. But specifically in terms of stickiness, I think it's the emotional side of things. When people deeply understand the why of why they're doing something, I think it sticks at a, at a deeper level than just a superficial, you know, this this is a good idea or it's a simple idea. I mean, that, that's great. But if you deeply understand why this idea is important, I, I think that's something that will just stick with you, you know, forever throughout everything that you're doing. And so, uh, you know, for me, from the technology point of view, like years and years back, I, I read a book that actually opened my eyes to this stuff, um, which was, as I said, that inconvenient truth about product, which is most of your ideas aren't going to work, right? That. Mm-hmm. That struck a chord with me deeply and emotionally because I'd seen it. I'd built stuff and then people didn't use it. You're like, why didn't they do that? And actually, I realized really deeply that the importance here is in understanding what people actually wanted in the first place and that I had assumed I was right. That now is something that stuck with me forever. And anyone who's worked with me will will attest to this, that I'll always bang on about this all the time. Like, what problem are we solving here? Um, and that that for me is stuck deeply and emotionally i've seen that with salon owners as well when they see things and they understand the importance of things like they understand the importance of helping customers to feel good because when they leave the salon you know they'll they'll refer you to people you know your reputation is everything and i think deeply 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 held in the industry is the understanding emotionally that how important that is and so that's something that no matter what happens to technology i don't think is ever going to change and i think it's because it's held so deeply in the industry that the importance of customer service especially as a means to referrals Passion and ambition connect us with salon owners and staff all over the globe, helping you grow and celebrating every success. We are driven by a love of this industry that makes our hearts race. In the spirit of sharing, my last question to Forrest's chief product officer was, are there any lessons you've learned from the tech and software development world that you think salon owners could benefit from or apply to their day-to-day? So I, I think I would actually pull together like a lot of what I've you know spoken about today. I mean, you think about that inventory stock take kind of idea. Um, you know, you start with what good looks like. So first of all, if you want to launch a new service or package or something like that, try and understand like what what are you trying to do here? Are you trying to attract new customers, for example, customers that, that you hadn't been attracting before through some new deal? Are you trying to you know create new upsells, for example, so new you know new add-on services that people might want to take? If you first of all understand what good looks like, so that's step one. Step two then is to understand the problem that that's solving. So, for example, if what good looks like is, okay, new customers, I want to attract new customers and I'm going to create a package to do that. Okay, what problem does that solve? Like maybe, for example, upfront, new customers often don't fully understand your service menu. Okay, so maybe, okay, now that I've talked to some customers, what do you? What, what's your impression when, when you start with us? You might say, well, I wasn't fully understanding what your service menu was. I wasn't sure which one I should pick for me. And so, okay, if that's the problem we have, then to solve it in the package, I need to create simple service names in that package, like cut, color, you know, simple names, not half head, full head, all these kind of things, just simple services to get them started. So if you take this as like a three-step approach, so number one is what does good look like? Number two is deeply understand the problem. And then number three is iterate. So you have to try this a couple of times. Don't just put out a package and say, okay, I'm done and that's it. Put it out there, let it run for two or three days, take a look at it, see how it's how it's performing, are people picking it up or not? Make some changes, change the name a little bit, change the price a little bit. Do that a couple of times over because again, you know that 50% of these ideas that do work, they need a couple of iterations before they do work. And that applies to everything. So I would say for a salon owner listening to this, that's what you should take away. First of all, what does good look like? Deeply understand the problem that that's solving and then iterate your way um, to that result. And you will, You will get there, you just have to iterate your way there.
Patty, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show, and I can't thank you enough for all of your insights and knowledge. Awesome. Cheers, Ari. Thank you. I'll wrap up today's episode on this quote from Antoine de Saint-Exupéry. If you want to build a ship, don't herd people together to collect wood and don't assign them tasks and work, but rather teach them to long for the endless immensity of the sea. We'd love to hear about your ideas. We'd love to hear about your growth plans. The Forest Growth Fund 2022 applications close on May 1st, so don't miss out on your chance to apply. You'll find the link to do that in today's show notes. And for any other questions you may have related to the Forest Growth Fund, please email the team at growthfund@forest.com. Thanks for listening to Forest FM. If you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. As always, you can head over to forest.com forward slash FM to catch all the latest from the show, as well as check out the links and resources mentioned throughout the episode. And if you've got any feedback, be sure to let us know. Send us an email at forestfm at forest.com. Brought to you by Forest Salon Software. Forest FM episodes air weekly, sharing inspiring stories from the salon floor and amplifying community voices all over the globe. In your salon, we're at the heart of it. This episode was edited and mixed by Audio Z, Montreal's cutting-edge post-production studio for creative minds looking to have their vision professionally produced and mixed. Great music makes great moments.